welcome back to the show, the Pastor and the Witch podcast. You can reach us at thepastorandthewitch.com, email us at thepastorandthewitchpodcast at gmail, and hit us up on our Facebook page. Uh, I want to thank everybody that has reached out and that has given us comments and feedback and those who have donated through our webpage. We really appreciate it. Just a little disclaimer, in this episode we will talk about sexual abuse. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy. Are you listening? in the Witch podcast recorded in Muncie, Indiana. I am your co-host, Grant, and I am joined by my beautiful, smoking hot, sassy, intelligent wife. Jordan Butler. Thanks, babe. You're welcome, babe. Jordan. Today we're going to kind of talk about um, basically our beginnings, and we're going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, it's kind of easy when you do a podcast and jump forward and get kind of ahead of yourself. So what Jordan and I wanted to do was really kind of give you a, kind of like a, an insight into our childhoods and we'll kind of get into our, our younger adult years as we go forward. But it will give you an insight into how we were shaped and kind of how we became who we became um, and some of the trials and, and things that we went through ourselves and some of our experiences. So I was raised here in Muncie. I, I went to Yorktown High School and K through 12. I went to Yorktown. It was, it was not as fun as everybody thinks. Mm-hmm. Jordan, where were you born at? Um, I was born in Denton, Texas. Lived there until I was five. And then me and my mom moved to Indiana. And I went to several different schools, actually. And moved around a lot as a kid. Where did you Where did you graduate from? Morristown High School. Well, technically Morristown Junior Senior High School. Like, how big was your graduating class? Oh man, my class. I think I only had like seventy five people in my class. So it was a very small school, farm town. Everybody knew everybody's business. That type of thing. Your town was a lot like that. I think my graduating class was like one hundred and ten, something like that. Of course, you knew everybody. You yep. know, and that's how it was for us too. Yeah, so I uh, was raised, I was the youngest of four kids. Uh, my parents, you know, are still married to this day. Um, how old's my dad? He's like, will be 72 this year. My mom is 70. Um, I kind of raised in a typical kind of, my dad was a social worker at Borg Warner, and my mom was a phlebotomist and then worked in the cancer department mixing chemo serums um, and did that for, she just retired back in, back in December. So she worked, you know, full time until she was 69. Yeah. Well, my mom, um, she's 64. She was a single parent, you know, had a few boyfriends while I was growing up, but she for the most of my childhood, was a waitress at the Bluebird in Morristown. Um, But she worked at a couple factories and um, 
you know, was a waitress at a few restaurants, but for most of the, you know, my childhood, I guess, she was a waitress at the Bluebird. That was like, you know, we, uh, we really have a lot of similar things about our childhoods, but we also um, have some pretty far drastic differences. You know, my dad was a very affectionate dad, and, and my mom was very affectionate. Um, I was very close with both of them, and still am. Of course, like in your teenage years, you if you rebel like I did, you know, there was a lot of issues and a lot of things that kind of came up in the process of that, but my parents were both always there, emotionally available, took care of me. I never really had um, a want, you know, all the, in one sense, I I had a childhood, uh, and especially my teenage years, that every kid wants, you know, that I would, I would want for my kids and our kids, uh, you know, but there's some other things that we'll talk about here in, in, in a few, but that really wasn't your experience, was it, Ben? No. Uh, my mom was a single parent. I, I didn't know my father. I met him when I was 11, but it was, she was a single parent and it was just her. Um, you know, she had, um, a few boyfriends throughout the years, but they weren't healthy relationships. And I do remember always having that want to have a family, you know, and my mom was, she was affectionate and loving and she was a good mom. She did the best she could, um, but she worked a lot to try and make ends meet. Um, I spent a lot of time, I mean, it's not like I was never around my mom because I was, but she worked a lot. So I spent a lot of time with my grandma as well. And me and my grandma were super close and I would go with, to work with her sometimes too when I was like little. And then when my mom, when we moved to Morristown, which like I said, is a small town and she worked at the Bluebird in town. So I would spend a lot of time with the Bluebird just hanging out there while my mom worked, but definitely didn't have that mom, dad, family relationship, you know, or experience. How many times in the past 10 years, how many times have you seen your dad? In the past 10 years? Yeah. Like physically, you saw him once. Mm -hmm. How old were you? Probably 25. And has he ever seen any of his grandkids? Nope. Never? Nope. Ever he's never asked, asked about them. About them? Mm-mm. And he's in... He, Georgia. well, as far as I know, he's in Georgia. I'm not really sure because he was living in North Carolina. He is a general manager for a Toyota, like, car lot, you know, mm-hmm. um... He's not a car salesman, but a general manager makes like a dealership. Yeah, like a dealership. Very well off. He has three other children. Been married to the same woman for years. Um, but I believe he had a home in North Carolina and was having a home built in Georgia, so he could fly back and forth. So, but I really don't know, like actually, where he lives now. It blows. It's my, one of the two. It, it blows my mind. Like as we record this, it's actually uh, we recorded a previous episode actually two previous episodes, and we decided to kind of shelve them for the time being. But actually, today is Father's Day, and, uh, you know, it, it blows my mind when I hear, like, stories like yours where I, me being a dad myself, um, it kind of blows me away that 
it's physically possible to have a, a daughter or a son. But like I, I look at you and I see you and, and of course like you're my wife and but like I couldn't imagine having this this daughter and then three grandchildren on top of that and physically being able to not be a part of their life. I mean, I don't understand that, especially like when you're affluent and you have the physical means to to be a part of somebody's life, but the emotional means aren't there. It uh, it blows me away. It like breaks my heart for you because I look at my situation and I had like, I really had like everything, you know? And the importance of that for a kid, especially in their formative years, um, couldn't be understated how important that is. And you know, like I look at Michaela and my daughter and, and you know, I really was like a single parent for a long time just because of her mom's illnesses and things like that where she was just continually in the hospital. And then when she was home, she really wasn't, she wasn't really there. And then after she passed, I, I took on that like actual role of being a single parent, but I was kind of doing that the whole time anyway. And when that happens though, and you see like your, your daughter, how much like a daughter does need their dad. Definitely. You know, and a daughter absolutely needs their mother. I mean, yes. you know, but a, a son or a daughter, it doesn't matter the gender, absolutely needs their dad. And I mean, it, it blows me away. One, that your your biological dad could even like fucking do something like that. It, it well, since it's Father's Day, like, and I didn't really think about this when we recorded the last episode, but I can't tell you, every year I'd wish him happy birthday if I had his contact information, which I don't believe his phone number has really changed, but I would wish him happy birthday, Merry Christmas, wish him happy Father's Day, and the majority of the time I wouldn't get a reply. And if I did, it was just a thanks. It was never, how are you? How's the family? You doing okay? Can I call you? Nope. Never like, anything like, like that. You told the story one time of calling your dad. You were like, how old? Like seven or eight when you called him? Oh, yeah. The very first. Um, That's like the first time that you ever talked to him? Yep. First time ever. I was probably about seven or eight. And it was him. Like, you know, of course, at the time, we couldn't have been 100% sure, but it was him because he recalls that happening. But I was about seven or eight. My mom had a phone number that she had kept, and she said I could call it, so I did. And, of course, I'm, like, this little vulnerable little girl calling, like, anxious and nervous as hell. And I call, and a man answers the phone. And he's like, hello? And I said, is Mike Holland there? And I'm crying. And he's like, this is him. Who is this? And I was like, this is Jordan, your daughter. And there was, like, a long pause. And he said, who? And I said, Jordan, your daughter. And then there was another long pause, and he goes, you have the wrong number. And he hung up on me, and I just lost it, you know? And I think that was, like, the first, like, I felt abandoned and felt like I wasn't loved or wanted. So, you know, and from that point on, for several years, I constantly wanted his validation and wanted his attention and just wanted him to be in my life and wanted him to want me to be in his life, but it just never happened like the way I wanted it to. 
I can't imagine like your self-efficacy just totally being shaken, you know, before it was really even able to be formed and matured. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, looking back, like, you know, I didn't understand, you know, I just, when that happened, I just remember feeling crushed. Because, of course, when you're that age, you think it's you, you yeah, know? You yeah. think, why doesn't he want me? Why doesn't he love me? What did I do wrong? And honestly, I think that's why I, I mean, for several other reasons as well, but I suffered from codependency for years. Yeah. And I think that was a big part of, of that is because of not having my father in my life and not having that male role to, you know, yeah. like, like you said, girls need their father. So. Yeah. Well, you know, like I look at my dad um, and the things he taught me, 94. Five percent of the things he taught me weren't with his the words that came out of his mouth. It was with how he did things. So like the way you treat the opposite sex or or even the same sex, but just like for instance, like the way you would treat your spouse, the way he treated my mom. He never sat me down and said, "You don't do this and you do this," and you know laid it out like black and white like that. But what he did was. Uh, just how he treated my mom and also how he treated me and how he treated my siblings. And that that's like one of the hardest things that I have a problem with where people, it's easy to say words. It's easy to say like, you know, do this. But when there's no like follow through or there's no like actual foundation where you apply that to your life, um, that's the for me, that's where I have issues with things, especially like the church, where you say one thing, but then you your follow-through is just totally opposite. My dad like taught me so much just by example, and really I, I didn't understand or even notice that he was teaching me until I got into my adult years and I had, you know, Michaela, and you didn't have that from your dad. No, and also... And, you know, me and my mom are extremely close. She did the best she could, and she really was a great mom. Um, And, of course, she made mistakes, um, but we all make mistakes. But with you saying that, like, my mom did not have healthy relationships growing up. So not only did I grow up without a dad, but the men that she – and it wasn't like she was with a ton of men, but she had, like, four relationships that I can really remember – and all these men um, weren't, you know, their, their relationship was not healthy. And it's not like she was a physically abused in front of me or there was drugs around me, but she was emotionally and mentally abused. Um, and honestly, the thing that stands out to me most is she was with an alcoholic off and on for years. And he never lived with us, but he would come over on the weekends. And he's dead now, but... For years, um, what I remember most is my mom and him would argue on the phone almost every night, like, no joke. And and I would hear her yell and scream sometimes, but it was more I would see her, I would hear her cry. And I remember, and this just popped in my head, actually, but I was probably between the age, like, 
nine to 12, maybe. I don't know. But I remember like getting so pissed off because my mom was hurting. Like, and it was, and it would go on through the whole night. Like I'd be in my room and I'd overhear her like crying or yelling or, and, and of course you wouldn't have cell phones then. Well, yeah. like my mom had a landline phone obviously, but yeah. she would hang up and he'd call back. She'd hang up and he'd call back. And all night long I'd hear that phone ring and she'd answer it, you know? And if she didn't answer it, he'd keep calling because he'd be drunk. And I remember I got so pissed off one time. I actually went and I picked up the other phone and I was like, like a nine year old, 10 year old girl. Like, I don't remember what I said, but I was basically yelling at this man. Like, you're hurting my mom. Leave her alone. And I probably even cussed at him. I was like, shut the fuck up. And I don't really remember. But, and that's, you know, looking back, that's, you know, but that went on for years. And, you know, I remember, you know, and I know my mom didn't do this intentionally, but in my eyes, that was normal to me. Like, that's, oh, this is what relationships are supposed to be like, you know? And I guess that's just what people, how people fight. And I guess that's what you're supposed to fight for your relationship. And you're supposed to fight for love. And you're supposed to, you know, um, you know what I mean? And I don't know. That's just. That's the, it's really interesting when you look at behavioral patterns, especially amongst children, where children will almost absorb like a sponge all of the tension and anxieties and the trauma that's going on around them even if it has nothing to do with them it actually does and children will take on that for for long periods of time it's i mean you can see it like in in everyday behavior where if you're just angry or you're you have like this anxiety about you your children will pick up on that even before they even really know what it's called, mm-hmm. you know, or that they're that they're even doing it. And it, you know, that that's trauma, and it absolutely will affect them. I know we've talked about like ACE scores, like you and I, like adverse childhood experiences, and the higher that you you know you uh, score on those, the more likely statistic wise you're to step into addiction and incarceration, die earlier, not have as long as lifespan, or step into relationships and marriages that have abuse, things like that. And and those are like, you know, where you're you come from a broken home, there's a parent incarcerated, or there's drug addiction in the house, um, physical, mental, sexual abuse, things like that, which kind of brings us to, you know, we're both I, I don't like the term uh, survivor or victim. I, you know, you know me. I'm not, babe. I'm not like a titles guy. <laughs> but we both uh, encountered sexual abuse yes. as children. Um, for me, it was, you know, I don't ever remember like as a kid being like, "Well, I'm five years old." But I do remember like being in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember like first grade, and I can remember my kindergarten teacher. Um, but, and it was going on, like when I went to kindergarten, I went, back then you went half day. So you either went in the morning or you went in the afternoon. I went in the afternoon and, uh, I was around somebody in the family, um, that, you know, uh, was, was sick, obviously. 
and that happened for, yeah, I don't know how long it happened for. It was a few years, and I'm sure it was longer than I can remember because even to this day, you know, I'm almost 40, and every now and then, like, something will happen or I'll smell something or I'll have a dream and, like, memories that, like, I I just, they'll, they'll surface. And, you know, sometimes, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that happening. or And it's not necessarily a, a pleasant or a good memory, but uh, it will bring me back to that time. And when that, like, shit happened to me, uh, one thing I do remember, I do kind of remember, like, going another place in my mind. It wasn't, like, the way, like, you see it in movies, but I remember, like, looking at the ceiling or looking at carpet, like, in the where some of this, like, abuse took place was in an office, in this person's office, and he had, like, it was, like, a carpeted office, kind of, but it, it was, like, uh, I remember looking at the fibers on the carpet and just, like, trying, like, not trying to get lost in it, but just, like, getting lost in it. You know how, like, when shit like that happens, you you kind of... You try to escape out. your mind. Yeah, like, or but you're too young to even know, yeah. like, what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, with me, um, it was... I didn't really think of this as being sexual abuse up until this last year because um, my therapist that I was seeing actually was like, oh, yeah, that's sexual abuse. Um, it didn't happen with an adult. It happened with another child. And, well, he was we were the same age. Um, but obviously he was having something done to him. And, um, and it, you know, and I was about the same age. I was about five or six. And in my mind, I only remember it happening, happening like a couple of times, but it was like playing house, you know, and I remember we would be playing outside and we would go behind, like we lived in Fairland and there was just like, we lived in a double and he was my neighbor and we would go behind this barn that was like on their property and uh, like kiss and like then you lived in like a duplex mm-hmm. kind of, okay. yeah and you know it was I mean I won't go into detail but it was like oral yeah and of course I didn't know what was going on but I remember feeling extremely uncomfortable and I was like I don't know what's happening but this is weird and I remember it was like a year before I told my mom because I remember feeling terribly guilty and like like dirty and like I did something wrong but I didn't really understand it at the same time yeah and uh and I remember his mom um I think this was after because me and him were friends you know and kind of stayed friends like in our early years but his mom I remember I would go over to his house and play and she would just walk around the house naked you know, so, yeah. and of course you don't really think about that, but like, I don't know, it was weird. And, weird. and, um, so yeah, so definitely that. And then I also remember something else. This was actually with a different boy, but my mom worked with this woman at Bob Evans. And this was, um, when I was a little bit older, but I was still pretty young, probably like eight. I don't know. But this I don't really remember this woman, um, but I remember we went over to her apartment, like me and my mom, and then she had two boys or something. 
And I remember, like, I don't remember where it took place, but we were outside playing, or maybe we were in their bedroom, like, the boy's bedroom. And he, like, put my hand on him, like, in an inappropriate place, obviously. And, like, that was strange. So, like, yeah, it happened. So, like, you said, though, that you told your mom, like, a year after it happened. Yeah, with the with the... Yeah. first I mean because that second little boy I was just talking about like that happened like one time and it was weird and I don't even know if I ever told my mom about that so but the first time yes how, was, how did she react um well I was scared to death that I was gonna get in trouble which yeah. is why I didn't tell her but I just like had this horrible feeling eating at me like you need to tell your mom so I told her and she she didn't get mad at me she was obviously very concerned and I remember we went to Southeast Way Park that day like the day that I told her we went to the park and, and to play and you know and she just asked me questions like did you know did he put you know like where did he touch you where you know did he put anything specific anywhere you know all this and that so I just told her exactly what happened and she of course told his grandparents, because he actually lived with his grandparents, because his mom was a drug addict. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she ended up talking, and they talked to him, and nothing ever happened again. But, you know, but she, I, I did go to counseling, actually, but I only went to, like, one, I only remember going to, like, one counseling appointment. It's, it's, uh, it's weird. My, my uh, experience was entirely different. Where I, uh, I, you know, I really, I remember it making me feel like something was wrong, but wrong really isn't the right word. Um, definitely different and uncomfortable, but there was a lot of mental shit that went along with that from this individual where there were threats, you know. Um, so I kind of internalized that in this this guilt and anxiety, but also like uh, self-concept and self-esteem were entirely kind of shot in the process. And I didn't come out until I was, I could drive, I was 16. And, but I didn't even like, I don't even, I don't even really remember like thinking as I got like into my early teenage years, I remember thinking about it and recalling it in my head because I was still around this person somewhat. Um, but it wasn't, I, I didn't look at myself like, oh, I was sexually abused or anything like that. And I remember one time I came home and my parents were watching the news. And there was some like news segment on pedophiles. And the journalist said something about like, uh, you know, like people that molest have likely been molested and it it really made me mad it really pissed me off because one they were right but like in my 12 or 13 year old mind I took that as like if you've been molested you're gonna molest and in my head I was like there's no fucking way to ever do that right so I got really angry and I remember my parents kind of looking at me like you know I might have got like too like angry for like maybe something was up but um, they didn't say anything, and, and, and really emotionally, I just kind of kept going on. But what happened was I had, when I was 15, my oldest, one of my older siblings had a kid 
and it was like it was my second nephew but it was like my I had two nephews born like a week apart but one was in South Florida and one was here and um the one here he was when he was born he was the, the first like nephew I'd ever been around and really the first baby I'd ever been around you know because I was the youngest of four and and you know me like I love babies I love children like yeah, they're they're hard to be around sometimes, but just like the whole experience of a baby is a really neat thing, especially like when you're an uncle and you're like a freshman in high school. It's a really cool thing, and but I remember like my mom and dad would watch like their grandchild, and I remember like he had a crib at our house, and I would come home, and I would watch him. I'd watch him sleep and stuff, and I would just, like, start crying and all this, like, weird shit, like, have all this, like, weird emotion kind of come over me, and I didn't really understand it, and when he was, like, three or four months, it just started running in my head that, like, this little boy, this infant, is going to be around this motherfucker, so I have to, to come out. And I struggled with that for, like, months. And um, so I, I came out, and, of course, like, my parents were totally, totally uh, just bent over backwards for me and, and believed me. And, and So when you were wanting, like, on that verge of telling them, were you afraid that you were going to get in trouble, or were you afraid that you were you just embarrassed, or no? I, I mean, I was kind of embarrassed, but I kind of looked at it as like one. I was on a lot of drugs at the time. I was sixteen. I was pissed off at the world, um, on a lot of drugs, and but I looked at it as I felt weird and I felt bad, but. If I didn't say anything and something did happen to my nephew, I couldn't have lived with that. And even the idea of not knowing, I had to just, I had to say something. So I didn't, I don't ever really recall. I do recall like kind of feeling embarrassed, but you know, like my stuff, like my actual abuse, not to get like too deep into it, it was a lot of like, a lot of touching, a lot of weird shit was said. Um, but it was over long periods of time and it, and then it would like, wouldn't happen for like months and then it would happen like fucking five times in a week. It was really weird. Like, and I don't ever remember, cause I remember when I was young and he would say like, you know, if you tell your parents, your parents will get rid of you and they won't believe you. But I was like, I remember thinking like, what am I going to tell them? You know what I mean? Cause like. You don't really know, like, what's going on when it's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of, you just know that you feel different, you feel weird. And, I mean, that's just my experience. So when I, did, when I told them, uh, I mean, it was like in a fucking rage-filled kind of episode at our house. And I told them why, you know, like why I was coming out. Because honestly... It would have been a very unhealthy thing for me, but I would have done the the whole fucking, like, just internalized it the rest of my life and probably been a wreck, an emotional wreck, and, you know, had a substance use disorder for life, active substance use disorder. Um, But I told him, you know, and 
it was a uh, it was it was a very very tough time. I remember those days vividly because like it crushed my parents, you know. And that's what I did feel bad about though, because I felt like I crushed them, you know. And I felt like I was I was uh, like I kind of brought that on because even to this day I feel bad because there were times in my drug use and in my immaturity and uh, just self-absorbed existence that I did use that to my advantage to get shit from my parents that I wanted or like because I was a fucking like bad kid you know like drug wise and breaking I mean like you know breaking and entering like just bad stuff you know and and uh Stealing a few cars and, and just like stupid shit, you know, that you do. But like I, I use that to my advantage. And I, only, I even to this day, I feel guilty about that because I now really put my parents through a lot of hard times. But I told my sibling that, you know, I don't want to say their name because like me and the sibling to this day, we still don't have a relationship for the most part. And uh, I told the sibling, and this was like the worst part because when I told them, like, hey, this happened to me, so, like, don't put your son around this motherfucker because he's a fucking pedophile, right? And I remember the first thing that they said was, when would they have had time to do that to you? So, like, when you hear that, and especially like when you're 16 and you're just, like... Already pissed off. Yeah, you're, like, you know, because teenage years are just the hard years anyway. And when you have like a valid reason to be pissed off and then you just watched your family get divided and you watch your parents get crushed and the reason why you did it was to protect somebody and then that person doesn't take that to protect them and they don't believe you it was like it happened all over and then it was like kind of used against me. I was like, well, you're just like, you know, because I was like the same way I am today. I was long hair and all about music. And I mean, obviously the drugs aren't here today, but like all about being crazy and a typical rebellious teenager and had some valid reasons for that. But it was like, well, you're you're just a wild teenager and you're on drugs. And it's like, yeah, I was all those things. But at the same time, it was like I was trying to fucking get through some shit in my head that, I mean, I, I went to counseling. I fucking grew up in counseling after that. And, you know, that's why, that's why I, I developed a love for counseling and therapy, and that's why I do what I do today. But when that sibling of mine didn't believe me, uh, it was like one of those things where it just, it just like, I, I felt like, two centimeters tall and I felt dirty and I felt like I had destroyed my family. I felt like I crushed my mom's spirit and looking back on it, I was like, why the fuck did I say anything? Because nothing happened anyway, right? And and this person that did this is, they're deceased now, but... But nothing was ever done to him, was it? Was there? No, I mean, like, you know, that that kind of stuff is so... I, I do remember we did... There was talk about, like, legal stuff, but, you know, things like that, they're so hard to prove, especially after time has elapsed, and usually what happens is the 
the victim or survivor, whatever you want to say, uh, they get put through the ringer again because there's mm-hmm. lawyers involved. And, you know, I was here, I was like this fucking dopehead kid, which was true. And it, it would look like I was lying. I wish I was lying. You know, like I remember thinking, like, I wish I was lying. I wish this was bullshit for attention because, but, it, you know, it, it wasn't. So, Nothing ever happened. I did confront him one time, though, and he just played dumb, which is typical, I guess. But, you know, I, I, I took all that hate out on myself. I think like a lot of people do, you know, you, you get pissed off of the world, so you put a fucking needle in your arm, or, you know, you go, you start doing things like that. And, um, but it's one of those things that it does, especially in your teenage years, if when you start dealing with that, when it starts coming out, it seeps into every aspect of your life. But it shaped me who I am today. Like when I think about grace and I think about love and I think about being a parent, um, those experiences, like how my parents dealt with me during all that, how they never turned their back on me, how they they never made me feel little or like I was in the wrong. They never made you know nothing like that. It was. Hundred percent support, you know, and and I didn't. That sibling, like she, wouldn't let my parents see the their her child for a long time, and it was a fucking mess. And with her and her spouse, and even to this day, I mean, you know how it is. We don't. I think you'll always love your siblings, you know. You always, no matter what. But we don't have a relationship, and I'm okay with that, you know. Like I, I mean, fuck, I'm almost forty, so. This happened, you know, what, 24 years ago. So it's one of those things where it is what it is, you know? Yeah. So that, well, never mind. I was going to say. What? Well, because you said it happened 24 years ago. It was like. 20, well, that's when. When it came out. out. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was. But yeah, um. You know, my mom, she never turned her back on me either, and she was always there for support. Um, But I think one thing, um, you know, my mom wanted to be my friend more than my parent. So, you know, and as I got older, um, I just started, like, that codependency. You know, I always felt like I needed to have a man in order yeah. to feel complete or be happy. So I was settling for shit <laughs> and not realizing what I deserved and not realizing that what I had experienced growing up wasn't normal and wasn't healthy. Um, and also, with the exception of a couple women in my family, uh, most of my aunts have been married and divorced several times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so my view of family and love was broken, basically. And, of course, you don't know that then. You're just like, everybody's like this. This is just normal. That's, you know, whatever. I I remember getting made fun of because my parents were still together. Really? Yeah. And, like, I, I felt bad for my friends, though, because... You know, Bruce's parents split up because they would talk about like how fucked up it was, or they'd be like, 
I hate going over to my dad's house, you know what I mean? Or like things like that. Yeah. So like you grew up though, like tell me what it was like growing up in your household. Like you, your mom was involved in churches. You went to church. Yeah, we did. Um, It was on and off for, you know, a few years. It wasn't like religiously every Sunday for years, but we would go through periods where we would go to church every Sunday for a few months and then we wouldn't go for a few months and then we'd get back into going. And, you know, and sometimes my mom would force me to go. Um, I never really wanted to go because I just never felt like it was... I don't know. I, as you, you know, everyone knows I'm a pagan and I follow that path and I've always wanted to follow that path and I've always felt connected to that path. Um, but when I was in church, even before I really understood God and Jesus and everything they were talking about, I just never felt like we fit in and we never went to the same church. It was always, you know, kind of like moving around all the time. Like, yeah, you know, we probably moved, you know, I went to, if if you count, like, going to preschool in Texas, I probably went to, you know, seven different schools, but moved around probably 18 times. Was, was your, and, like, mom strict, like, growing up? Yes and no. Because um, you said that, you know, she was more like a friend. Yeah, like, we've had this conversation, and she's told me, like, One thing that she feels like she went wrong with raising me was she was always afraid she was going to be mad at me. Um, So, you know, like, she might ground me, but then I would not actually be grounded. She'd ground me, and then I wouldn't be grounded. She wouldn't stick with it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, fast forward a little bit, I, I got married my senior year in high school, which, looking back, is, like, fucking crazy, but... You know, like, she's like, I should have just said, no, you're not fucking marrying this dude. And if you ran away, you ran away, you know? (laughs) So, um, but as far as being strict, like, there were some things she was strict on. Like, you know, you have a wide, like, growing up, you listen to all sorts of music. Your parents didn't give a shit what kind of music you listen to. And looking back, like, honestly, though, I remember being obsessed with finding my soulmate and getting married and having a family. And I think that's just because I didn't have that. And, you know, and, you know, if you think about all those Disney movies that we grew up on, like Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid, and now looking back how fucked up all those stories are. Yeah. Like, that's abuse. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, oh, I want to meet my prince and he's going to come. You can't feel whole until you meet a man and he'll take care of you. Yeah, Keep you locked in a tower and kidnap (laughs) your father and, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, thinking that, like, just I had this idea of love completely wrong. Um, But literally, like, I was obsessed with finding, I I was obsessed with boys. And I don't want that to come off as, like, me being a slut when I was, like, a teenager because I wasn't. But, like, I was obsessed with having a boyfriend. I felt like I always wanted to have a boyfriend and I always felt like I, I, I needed to be liked, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and that's all I fantasize about, like, from the time I can remember is just having a boyfriend and 
being with that person and falling in love at like 10 years old and being with that person for the rest of my life. See, that's like a difference of ours where like I grew up in the church, I grew up in the Catholic church and my parents left the Catholic church when I was like 15, but my parents were very uh, liberal on their approach and I think part of that was because I was the last kid and they were tired, but also they had been more strict with like my older siblings and they saw that it didn't work out like the way they thought. Yeah, but you might not remember this, but like the first like things in music that I listened to were on tapes. So like CDs were like a big deal, you know, and the first two CDs I ever owned, my mom bought me. One was Slayer South of Heaven and the second one was Dark Thrones Transylvanian Hunger. And I remember my parents dropped me off to see DSI at the Emerson when I was 15, you know, and they never, ca- I never had a curfew. They never, you know, they trusted me and maybe they shouldn't have, but to, and, you know, my experience, you know, uh, like a lot of my friends, we experienced a lot of the same things and. A lot of them are dead from overdoses or fucking hep C. Um, only a couple really made it out, including me, you know. But I, I look back, and, and my parents gave me a lot of room to kind of figure out who I was. I mean, there was a lot of guidance in that. It wasn't like they just, like, left me on my own. But there was a lot of guidance in that. But there was also a lot of room to kind of figure that out, you know, because... I don't, I mean, I don't know, you might think I'm wrong, but, like, I don't think we ever truly figure out who we are. It's easy to figure out what you like, but figuring out who you are is something that, it comes in waves, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like, and we can, I don't know. One thing that was different for me with growing up is, like, you know, it's not like my mom never let me do anything because I was able to, like, I had friends and I hung out. And like I said, I grew up in a small town, so I spent a lot of my time hanging out with my friends or we'd be rollerblading or riding our bikes or I'd be at home playing video games. I stayed home by myself a lot. Um, but, you know, and I went to on a couple big trips with a couple friends of mine when I was in high school. I went to West Virginia with one friend and then I went to Florida with another. But I was really close with them. Um, but like, I was never really allowed to go to concerts. Um, well, my first concert was Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Don't hate. <laughs> but I was like eight or nine. That And my mom took me to that concert. And then I went to Creed with a friend of mine. But like, I remember asking. Where was the Creed show at? Um, Verizon or oh, whatever. Okay, yeah. And, uh, but like. I remember I wanted to go to, um, uh, oh, um, Ozfest. Oh yeah. Like a couple times when I was in high school with some friends, but I I was never allowed to go Ozfest because were the shit. They were yeah. so cool. Like I would have loved to have gone, but I think my mom was just very protective and just worried, and you know she associated that music with like drugs and alcohol, which of course now she doesn't give a fuck, but at that time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like it was like Satan music or 
you know, it's going to lead me down a bad path or I'd be around the ba- the wrong crowd. And, you know, and I was never really allowed to go anywhere with just friends without an adult, yeah. you know. And, of course, when I started driving, it wasn't really like that. I could kind of – but I could never act – like, when I was living at home and driving, I couldn't just go. Like, I had to be home, you know, which I played sports and stuff too, but I was never allowed to just go about yeah. my – you know, whenever I wanted to, or, you know, I, I definitely had a curfew. I, you know, um, but yeah, so it was definitely different for me. Well, I think like this, uh, episode, this is probably a good stopping point. We've kind of went longer than we normally do, but I hope this serves as like kind of, so we can start to kind of like get into some of the deeper stuff. I mean, I think we've, every episode's been heavy in some aspects, but really kind of start to get uh, kind of an insight into, like, why we are, how we are, and who we are, uh, some of the experiences that we've been through, because things like mental and sexual abuse and things like that, uh, it's obviously, it's a much more common thing, I think, especially as a kid, you're think, you think you're like you're the only one, and the reality is it's probably... You're probably... It's probably way... It's common, Yeah, you're in the majority, you know? Uh, but it's something that you don't look like. You don't think of it in that aspect. But also, it does shape you. Uh, for me, like I said earlier, it's not like that experience made me a better person or anything like that. But the way I look at things now, uh, it's through a different lens. And, and for, for the better. Right. Well, and I just want to add something... Um, like we said, it's, you know, sexual abuse as a child is definitely more common than what we would like to think about. And that's one thing I like, you know, and we'll get this into later, into this later, but my daughter was sexually abused and I am very open about it. And I think that is an issue we have in today's society is yes, you are sexually abused, but you don't talk about it. Yeah, I think that's a... And that's not healthy. No. I like, if you look at, if you hang around a lot of elderly people, you'll hear elderly people talk about dying. And it's not because they're morbid or they're depressed, but it's because they're in the final chapters of their life. I remember hearing people say, like, you say, how you doing? They say, oh, I got one foot in the grave. And it what it does is it's therapeutic for them. It helps them kind of deal with the reality that, it's a part of life, you know? Yeah. And when you talk about things, it helps you. And when you suppress things and internalize things... It can destroy you. It, absolutely. I mean, stress is poison to the body, you know? And I, I know we've talked about this, like, where, like, behavioral health, you know, our our American concept of health is, like, totally physical, but it can't be just physical. It has to be that mind, body, and spirit, um, it's its the whole, like, spectrum. It's not just one side. And when you neglect one aspect, it affects the others. So, for instance, like, I mean, how many people do you know that are physically in shape, but they're mentally not? Or they're emotionally a wreck because they haven't dealt with things. Talking about it, like you said, though, uh, it's a healthy thing. And sometimes, though, we get, you know we get reprimanded because we talk about it. And that's like, I look at it as like, 
you know, in this day and age, in this culture, everybody need, feels like they need to get their opinion out there. And I, I understand that to some degree. But in another, um, this is something that you've dealt with personally, but it's also you've dealt with from the aspect of being a mother to a child that has had that done. Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, I've had a few people like, oh, you shouldn't talk about this. This, You know, this happened to your daughter. You need to let that be up to her to talk about this. And it's like, well, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I experience it as well. Yeah. I might not have been the one that it happened to, but I am her mother, and I went through it with her. And yeah. I, I've seen what happened. You know what I mean? Like, well, we'll talk about it later because it's a lot. But I experienced it as a mother, so that's why I talk about it because there are many, many, many mothers and parents that have experienced this you know, with their child being molested or sexually abused. And I think it's very important to talk about it and be open about it to people and your child. So that way they can learn to not be ashamed and not suppress it and not and yeah. understand that they're not alone and that this is very common, unfortunately. Well, I think that's but, the hope, like with this, where people hear it, like some mom out there, some dad out there. Right. You know, well, and one that. thing that really upsets me, and I know these people, some people mean well, and they don't really intend to be this way, but when someone comes at you and says, you shouldn't be saying this because it's your daughter's choice to speak of this, and it's like, one, you're, this person may not be a mom, yeah. may not be a woman, and it's like, who are you to tell me how to respond to this or how to talk about this? Because I experienced yeah. this, not you. You may have experienced sexual abuse or molestation, yeah. or maybe you are a parent. But still, it's my experience, and it's my choice to talk about it. And if it makes you uncomfortable, that's the whole point. Because yeah, that's the whole point. So. And, you know, it's kind of like, too, like where as parents, we are the mouthpieces for our children at times. Nobody's going to stick up for our children. Yeah, I mean, us. she was you know? five when it happened. Yeah. You know, and and she's nine now, and, and she's even come to me like, Mom, I can say his name now. Or, Mom, you know, I and yeah. I can just tell that she's she thinks about it, and she she doesn't suppress it in. And, and that's my goal. Like, that's what I want. I want yeah. her to be able to come to me and be like, Hey, Mom, I, I'm, I'm able to say his name now without... And her experience, though, too, is different in the sense that this individual was was arrested for it. Yes. Was tried in court and found guilty. Is currently in prison, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a, a very, I mean, I was in the courtroom just like you, and you gave your statement on the stand, yeah. and yeah. they're passing around pictures of yeah. things that, ha- you know. I like, saw the yeah. pictures. I saw... And her face in the pictures, and yeah. I saw, like, you know, I was there, and as a parent, I went through it with her. I might not have been there when it was happening, but I was there at the aftermath going through it with her, and I dealt with the emotional trauma. And you also... And, you know... Your emotional trauma and your guilt, right? Because this individual was your lover at the time. Yeah, he was and someone I was with for two years. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Which I, I know we'll get into that you know, as future episodes, but like I said, you know, this is really kind of giving you a background on who we are, and I know it's like a very, very shallow aspect of some of, because like, like all that shit that happened to me that doesn't define who I am, doesn't influence how I am today, even though it did influence, you know, how I came to be. 
Mm-hmm. But th- this podcast is something where we're going to talk about some of those very uncomfortable things in the hope that people do hear this or, you know, because even if it just like one person hears it and is struggling, um, and you don't have, have to that. feel bad, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel dirty uh, at all. You don't have to feel guilty. And, and I know that's our hope with this. But we're closing in on 56 minutes and 15 seconds so thank you for listening and we will continue next week and remember to reach out to us uh this next few episodes i don't know how we're gonna go we have a lot already recorded but we're kind of circling back around and just gonna see how things go Mm -hmm. um but we will get to a lot of things i know we've had a lot of comments and then uh, people write in um, some of the stuff we'll, we'll definitely get to. I, one person in particular wrote in about uh, some of my experience with the street kids in the Pacific Northwest. I promise you we will we will get to that. I'll tell some stories that you've never heard before. Um, but in the meantime, you can hit us up at the Pastor and the Witch podcast at gmail.com. Our website is thepastorandthewitch.com. And you we're, can like our Facebook page, yeah, The Pastor and the Witch Podcast. We're on Facebook and Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, all that. And blog will be coming soon. Yes. And thank you to, for those who donated through the website. Uh, it really means a lot. This takes a lot of time to do this and edit this and things like that. So that shows us a lot of support, and we thank you very much for that. We're in the process of getting stickers made up, and we'll give you a heads up when that happens, and we're going to give those out for free. Um, But thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Have a wonderful night.